Cool. All right. Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of the show today. And it's very special for a few different reasons. One, because this happens to be the three-year anniversary mark of the show. But the other reason, because we have someone here very special who I thought was very fitting for the occasion. Some of you might refer to her as Queen V, but in this particular instance, I'm going to refer to her as the all-time female face of the challenge. Veronica, how are you doing? Well, I'm good. I've never been called that before. Keep it coming, Mike. Hey, I'm not, I'm not doing lip service here. That's just my opinion. Thank you. <laughs> Let me ask you now, because that intro, obviously, you know, you are referred to by a lot of people when they speak in regards to you and just the challenge in general. They do refer to you in a very high light. Is that something that you take flattery to or are you just kind of more, you know, don't really take yourself too seriously in that regard? Okay, well, number one, I don't take myself too seriously. But number two, I still am flattered by it. I'm glad that like, you know, I looking back, I do know that I was involved in the very early days of the challenge and I was kind of a staple while the show was growing. So while I don't like, <clears throat> while I do like appreciate the compliment, it's not like I'm conceited about it. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't take my, and when I make jokes about it, it's like literally just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you're not one of those people that just is like, oh, you got to recognize me as like the best or, you know, like, you don't, you don't really strive to be it, but you're flattered when people do recognize yeah. Right. yeah, because I do recognize that I did have like a huge imprint on the show in the, you know, the form, the formative years, mm -hmm. um, you know, and yeah, I mean, I'm appreciative of it. Um, but I guess I just don't let it define me. Right. And you kind of can't when you're in this kind of bubble, you know, like otherwise you'll become like crazed by it. <laughs> right. But a lot of people do let it define them. And then oh. what happens when it's not there anymore? You know? Yeah. Well, that and goes without actually, saying. Like, I made like a very like I made a decision on my own to step away from it because I needed to have um I needed to not just be Veronica from MTV. I needed to have, like, other things that define mm. me. Yeah, that's actually a really good point that you bring up, and I was curious about. Did you, like, ever set at any point, like, while you were first doing the show, like, okay, at a certain point, I think, you know, this is a good deadline for me to tap out of it, potentially, where you tell yourself, like, okay, this was fun, but I kind of want to move over from uh, that chapter in my life, or were you kind of just waiting to see where it took you? Well... Funny. Um, looking back, there was a there was a critical point where I decided I'm not going to do them anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was back after Inferno 2. Um, if you remember correctly, uh, we uh, Rachel and I had started a T-shirt company. Oh, yep. Yeah. And we brought you know, suitcases full of free t-shirts for cast members to wear because the one thing about cast members at that time is that they loved free shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything free they would wear, no matter, it doesn't matter how hideous it was, they would wear it. So we brought a suitcase full of free t-shirts. Um, and this is before we even had uniforms. Um, and we passed them out and they, people, I mean, literally they were worn in every scene. They became our uniform for our team. Um, and the next season, 
I was asked to go, but I was told very, oops, let me turn my ringer off my phone. Um, I was told that I could not bring any of the t-shirts and that in fact, I, this is the first time they actually went through your luggage. Mm -hmm. I would have to pack my bags like, you know, five to seven days before departure and they would swing by my place to pick it up and then my bags would meet me at the location. Okay, that sounds a little um, and suspect side. Go ahead. At the time, I was just like, wait, that doesn't make sense because you guys bring, like, your people bring free clothes from other brands for the cast to wear and the cast wears it. And in fact, there's other t-shirt companies that are in direct competition of our sales um, that you give out and you let people wear. So why are you going to inhibit our growth outside of this show? Mm -hmm. like, don't make me a prisoner of the show, you know? And I felt like they weren't very, um, the producers at the time, they just, I didn't, I didn't fight it. I think that if I would have had like some conversations with them, that maybe we could have gone to a point where like they saw my point of view. Mm -hmm. um, like if you're going to take a t-shirt company from another t-shirt, like a, a t-shirt from another t-shirt company and put it on cast members, then why not have ours? Right. Why not have it be ours, you know? Um, and so anyways, that was the, that was the point where I was like, I cannot allow my livelihood and my, um, my career to be kind of controlled by the network and right. what they want and what they allow. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that, that does make a lot of sense. Oh no, were you going to say something else? No. And then, so that's basically the one, the time where I was just like, okay, mm -hmm. like I, I, any, like I am, you know, um, kind of just, I need to have something besides them that I can control because right. at the end of the day, we're not in control of those phone calls nope. to ask us if we want to participate in the, in the show, if we are available, you know, we're not, we're not in control of that. And so that to me is a little scary when you're not, when you have no control over that. And at some point in time, they can pull the rug from under your, under your feet, which you've seen happen to many cast members. You know? Right. And, there was also probably even more that you couldn't control back during that time period because this was prior to like, you know, having social media accounts. So it was essentially just the show, just whatever they showed of you. And that was it. It. Yep. yep. So there was no like controlling of any narrative at that point. So nope. it was just what you saw is what you got. Right. Um, so you're a 21 year old and you're going to UC Berkeley. Am I correct? Is that where? Yes, that's where I went. Was there something at that time that you were maybe had aspirations of being like when you grew up? Did you like think that TV is what no. I want? or like was there yeah. anything else that you were like, okay, when it's all said and done, this is what I want to be doing? Um, you know, I didn't have like a career, like a definitive career in mind for myself. I do know that I wanted to be something in business, or at least that's mm -hmm. what I thought. I mean, I was like a lot of college students, like not really knowing what I'm going to school for, just knowing right. that I need a degree. Um, so I think that that really helped get me on the show because I was very much this junior in college going, 
I don't know what I want to do with my life. You know, I don't know where I'm going. I'm a little bit lost. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think that sometimes, like, producers of the show see that as someone that might be good to cast, you know, that doesn't have everything figured out. Right, because that was back during a time in which that was the norm. Like, you wanted um, young teens, early 20-year-olds figuring out their problems, like, in front of In front of the world. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Things that they didn't know about themselves, people that were watching this were finding that out about them as they were finding it out about themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think since we're on the topic of, you know, you going on the show, I think this would be a good question to ask since everybody knows, I mean, finding road rule seasons is like finding the yellow brick road. You know, they're like few and far between finding old episodes there. I think inquiring minds would love to know, like, did you really copy Ayana's uh, paper on <laughs> on semester at sea? I think everyone is expecting you to answer that asking this question. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was that you're known to ask all the hard questions. <laughs> yeah? yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, think I read that once. Um, I didn't. I think that it came off like maybe I could have in editing. Um, there were a lot of similarities because I followed literally an outline of the things that were asked of our paper, like mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I definitely didn't copy it. Uh, I think that if I had copied it, there would have been like academic, some sort of some sort of like academic probation like maybe I wouldn't have I would have been kicked out of the class or something like some sort of repercussion mm-hmm. um, so no okay there we have it folks for everybody everybody wondering this is uh, we're clearing the air so yeah. there you go <laughs> what else ask me how much did your life change like upon going home because I know like a lot of people speak about this from a few different perspectives one for some, it's like a big culture shock entering home life again, like after being in front of that bubble. And then for others, I mean, you know, the added publicity and being recognized is also a thing, too. So I guess my question here would be, how much did your life change? Different element to it. The element of the fact that we just went around the world and mm. went to many different third world countries and saw so many things that we had never been exposed to before we didn't even know existed being on semester at sea was a very unique experience for like road rollers so when i i always explain it this way like it when when you set foot back in the united states after going to all those countries and seeing everything that we saw having your eyes opened up to so much you have like in a feeling of reverse culture shock right it's like and i grew up in Orange County, California. And as we know, it's pretty, it's very privileged there. So Mm. I came back and I was like, who are these people? You know, like there was just, there was so many like people with lots of money and very flamboyant. And like, it was just very hard for me to like accept right away that Mm -hmm. I was from there. Um, And then we had a very quick turnaround for television. I want to say we were home for two weeks right. before it started airing, when usually it's months. Mm-hmm. But we had a quick turnaround. And I remember I was with my mom at a shopping center in Irvine, California, where I grew up, and someone came up to us, and it, it was just the casting special. 
I was so tripped out because I didn't grow up. I did not grow up watching the show. So I didn't really know its reach. I wasn't a huge fan of the show. Like I had, I knew what it was, but I didn't, I wasn't really like a fangirl. And I didn't watch, you know, seasons or multiple episodes of a season. Um, So it was really, it was really hard, actually. Really? Wow. Yeah. It was really hard. And at the time I was dating someone um, and he played, uh, he got drafted for baseball, like out of college, you know? And so he was in the farm league. Okay. And he was in Iowa playing baseball. And I thought it would be a great idea to go visit Iowa, like right then, um, right as it was like coming on television. So mm-hmm. I went to Iowa for two weeks and lived in like Cedar Rapids. I drove around like a, a car that he had purchased for the summer for like $300. And I lived in like, I created my own little bubble away mm-hmm. from everyone um, and ended up staying there the entire summer. And how was that? Like in like, cause that'd be, um, that because when I was like, I go to the gym yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, this is when road rolls and real world was like on constant rotation. It's like the new ridiculousness, you know, mm-hmm. or yeah. what ridiculousness is now to MTV <laughs> used to be. Yeah. And we would, all episodes would play all day long. So I'd be at the gym and all of a sudden I would see myself on fucking television. Can I cuss? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> I'd see myself on fucking television and I'd be like, and I'd like just bolt out. <laughs> Is that a thing for you too? Like I know a lot of people like when they hear and see themselves like, you know, like people don't like the sound of their voice. Like just say, for example, like, are you someone that when you see yourself, you kind of like, you know, turn a blind eye to it? Kind of. It, got, it gives me a little bit of anxiety to watch myself. And I kind of like don't want to, if I want, if I need to watch it, if I want to watch it, I like to watch it in like quiet and privacy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can just sit there and cringe at myself. Right. Uh, in private, in in private, rather than like sharing that experience with multiple mm-hmm. people around me. And at the time, I just wasn't comfortable with it yet. Right? It was like brand new to me. Um. So I just didn't want anyone in the room to notice that the person that's on television is also the person next to them on like the, the yeah the lo- the line at the store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the obstacle. You know, the stairmaster. I was like, need to go. <laughs> I need to leave. <laughs> Were you ever affected mentally from doing the shows? Like, were, or were you able to plug out? Hmm. Um, I think that I was, but not very, not like debilitated mentally, like emotionally or mentally, you know? I was able to like probably brush it under the rug, like in an unhealthy way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, not really... Yeah, I don't think that I was, I think I've been, when I look back at my life and like the moments, my lowest points and my, you know, my lowest points, they are not show related at all, mm. you know? Yeah. Um. So I think I do do a pretty good job of being like, yeah, I did that or whatever. It is what it is, you know, like I do get affected a little bit by what people say, but mainly, mostly I'm able to ignore it. Mm-hmm. I, I I understand that. Like, with what you just said about like you kind of having lower moments. Like, if somebody has something lower than maybe something they experience on TV, the thing on TV is almost just like nothing. Yeah, but it's, not, it's literally nothing. 
So, yeah. But on the contrary, I mean, there there is, like, people that their TV moments basically are, like, their lowest. Like, so I have seen that contrast, too. So it's not, like, out of the ordinary. But it's good that you're able to kind of um, sort of plug it out in a certain sense, you know, yeah. to a lesser extent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it's uh, it's uh, just something I've learned along the way, maybe? Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of learning, you clearly learned how to, like, play the game. But my question to you is, mm-hmm. when did you, like, learn, like, the game? Because I think, like, initially when you first walk into this, you're kind of there. It's like, you know, nobody really knows. It's like an experience, right? Like, I don't think anybody's with the mindset yet when you're walking on to Battle of the Seasons, for example, that, you know, this is a game and, you know, you have to make this move and yada yada. When did you kind of learn to play the game? Okay, so I don't think I ever really purposely learned to play the game. I don't think it's conscious, to be honest. I think that some things I just can think of differently. Mm -hmm. If I wanted, like, if I tried to play the game better, like, if I really cared and tried to play the game better, I would probably be a lot better, you know? Right. Like, I give, like, a little bit of effort. Of and and then I'm talking about in the past, like even when I what like I don't know, it was just like mainly it was more like natural stuff, right. you know, like anything I thought about politically like wasn't was just like oh yeah well why don't we do that you know well this can happen or that can happen I just like my mind I don't know why like just works a little bit differently like I see things from a different point of view. Right, like you're more of like a room reader. Like you have the ability to kind of think and like the natural smarts to adapt to stuff on the fly, whereas like other people might have to like seriously like theorize and like plan this stuff out. And you've got like two moments in particular uh, with deliberations that like stick out in my mind so well. Um, The one on Dirty 30, obviously, which you could tell there, that was clearly like you saw where the votes were going and just on the fly got uh, Leroy sent in. Like that's one of the more iconic ones. But then there's this other one, and I think you might know what I'm talking about. There's, like, that iconic photo of you sitting in the chair when you're like this after you got E-Beast thrown in on the ruins. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You've got, like, this devilish smirk on your face. Oh, my God. That was so funny. (laughs) What what about the ruins? Did you you know that was what you were going to do, or was that another one that was just on the fly when you got the, the votes swung? No, I mean, I, I don't think that that's what I was going to do. I did, it was pretty much on the fly. Um, I didn't really know exactly where the votes were going to land. Mm-hmm. Um, from from my memory. Like, I would have probably, right. I would should have done some homework and watched that episode again, if I'm being honest. Um, mm-hmm. It's for me to, like, remember, you know, all the ins and outs. Because I remember I watched it a couple years ago. And I was like, wait, Wes didn't vote for me? Like, I had no idea. <laughs> I thought you voted for me this whole time. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things where like I saw where the li- the where the where the votes landed and I was I pretty sure I was speaking like the truth at that point. Mhm. Um so yeah, I mean, whatever I said worked. You you obviously as I just alluded to you have, like, a very good, whether it be intentional or unintentional, like, strategic game with how you make game moves. 
Um, do you feel like, despite that, that when people are analyzing, like, oh, this person's, you know, the best female player, that, like, sometimes that gets overlooked for maybe, like, those that rely solely on, like, you know, physical games, for example? Well, I mean, you just gotta, like, let's run it back. The fact, the challenge didn't start with, like, athletes. Right. You didn't have to be a professional athlete to, like, be on the challenge and to win and, like, to compete and to win. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I come from that era where, like, I didn't have, you know, again, I didn't have to be a, this all-star athlete. Right. Um, so I think it's definitely evolved throughout the mm-hmm. years because people want to basically um, <clears throat> strengthen their chances of winning, right? Right. And I totally support them on that <laughs> you know it's great and if you're literally getting cast every single season then it becomes your job like back in the day the challenge was my job i didn't have another job you know mm-hmm. and yes i cocktail waitress or did whatever <laughs> side here and there um but like the challenge and like speaking engagements and all this other stuff was my job like you know in my very early 20s um so when mo- when the when you're let me see let me how should I phrase this when your income and livelihood and your future solely relies on this platform you're going to do the most to make sure mm-hmm. you're there. um i just you know i think that maybe if the, the challenge was what it is today you know, 20 years ago, is it 20 years ago? Um, I think it's safe to call it 20. Yeah. Well, yeah, like almost 20 years ago, I think that I would have probably taken it a lot more seriously. Um, because there were a lot of different paths you could take to achieve like different goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I still to this day think that you can still be very good at the game without being such a physical force and like intimidated, um, intimidating physically. Mm -hmm. Um, and like a lot of times, like I'm not a lot of times, but it does happen that like not the strongest doesn't win. Yeah. You know, the physically strongest doesn't win. Um, even when it's a head to head elimination, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I do think that like in this day and age, if you want to win, like be the only winner at the challenge, like, yes, you have to work physically hard, but also mentally hard. Like you have to be training your mind, not just your body. Um, so it's definitely, as we've seen, definitely yeah. to something much different than what it was in the beginning years. Right. And you're someone who's like watched this thing kind of grow up and develop like since the seeds were planted initially you know you've watched it from pretty much every era well i'm not mark long well you know i mean <laughs> you're, you debuted on the fifth the fifth season right <laughs> yeah i'd yeah. say so yeah <laughs> so that being said you, i think you could probably agree with me when i say this at least speaking just solely as far as the flagship series goes I would argue that it's taken more the root of being like a sport slash like cinematic type movie is like the genre now, I would say. 
Okay. Well, we can argue about that whole sport thing. Like, I was behind it when Bill Simmons, like, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, used to call it the fifth sport. I I was behind it because I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. he's like this show, so much recognition that I'm on. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not a freaking sport. It's not. not. Like, they're the rules. First of all, let's just go. If 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 the, if sports don't have rules that are not like arbitrary um, and gray, then we can call it a sport. But that's not what a sport is. It's literally always played the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from someone who I I like sports, but I when I'm watching sports, I go there for sports. But when I'm watching like you know, a reality show. I'm going there for like to see personalities who I could get behind and watch them develop with their characters on screen. I want to root for them because I feel like I know them. I don't want to root for them based on like their physical capabilities. Right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. I I guess I could ask you here is because my whole point was, did you like the shift or do you like the shift rather? I kind of, I don't like how seriously people take themselves mm-hmm. because of the shift. I mean, some people really think that they're an athlete because they're on a challenge, like mm-hmm. a professional athlete. And it's like, at the end of the day, you're not, you know, um, because, yeah, because otherwise you'd be like actually playing a, a professional sport, the professional sport that you played, like the, the sport that you played your whole life in hoping to become a professional and yeah. you're not playing that sport now, so you see yourself on the challenge, and you think that this is the sport. Like, no, that's talking <laughs> 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 about. <clears throat> so, um, I don't like how seriously people take themselves. I do. I mean, like, I welcome change, mm-hmm. and I think that, like, you know, if it was the exact same thing as before, it would become boring and dull. Right. Um, so it needs to kind of it needs to change and grow. Um, but I just I don't mind that part. I just mind the players playing it that take themselves a little bit too seriously. Mm-hmm. And that I don't understand where the show came from. Mm-hmm. And so there are still going to be people with a different mindset playing this sport that you call. Right. It's, it's like a little bit of a double-edged sword because the genre changes. However, like the show in which it was rooted and just, just the franchise I'm speaking about has objectively grown and it's been getting more like mainstream attention, which is good, you know, but it's also a double-edged sword because for those that grew up with the inception of it, you're going to have a, maybe a mixed view on like the route that it's taken. But that's, I mean, everybody's not going to like everything, you know, so yeah. there, there's just that. And I will add that if it was technically a sport, I don't think they would have uh, sent you home with a broken toe on All-Star Stars. No. W- <laughs> no. First of all, my toe was not broken. Okay. Um, but I came to find that out when I was back at home. It was definitely torn up. Like, I, I pulled every, like, ligament or tendon in my toe area. Not just right. my big toe, but, like, my second and third toe. Um. So I, I, I should have not, like, I would have been actually very hurt, I think, that if I continued. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that's what they were afraid of. Like, okay. I had to get medically, I had to get medically cleared to run a 10K when I was at the hospital. 
And so they like tested, did all these testings then or no, something? They did oh. an x-ray with terrible quality <laughs> and that's what they read. Mm-hmm. You know? And the doctor was like, you know, uh, looks like you have a fracture. Um, but when I came home and I followed up in the United States with the technology that we have, I was told there is no evidence of fracture, zero evidence of fracture. And if you had fractured your toe two weeks ago, we would see it. So it was somewhere along that line that I guess they like miscalculated to a certain extent. However, you were still hurt. Oh, it was. I mean, I think the reason why they forced me to go to get an x-ray was because of my bruising. My bruising was so bad. Mm-hmm. It was very bad. Um, and I'll, I mean, I definitely was very upset and let down by the decision that was made, but I do think that it was the best one for me mm-hmm. as even when I got to the airport, like the following day, I had such a hard time walking mm. through the- like the airport in Panama is pretty big, but I had such a hard time walking, just walking with, you know, oh my God, I, I should have brought this out. I should have brought you my boot that they sent me home in from the I hospital. Didn't even, I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, actually- yeah. And, and I wanted to compare it to the boot that I was given here in the United States so you could see it. I'll show you a picture. Maybe okay, could- that works. I could, like, you know, plug it on the, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, it was, it's actually quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, you know, yeah. So looking back at it, I do think that it was a good, a good decision, um, because I don't know what kind of sh- shape my foot it would have been in. Like it actually was an injury that lasted me longer than a year. Okay. Wow, that is pretty and, serious. Then. And my foot, I think there's like permanent damage because I didn't take the time mm-hmm. off. I didn't take the time to like lay there and rest my foot and elevate it for like the month that it might have needed to heal. Right. And I went on 38. I actually ruptured my um, my uh, which my plantar fascia. Mm, wow. So and that that was ruptured because of my toes being weakened. So my whole right foot has been a nightmare since I fell down the stairs, um, in my Crocs, um, rushing to get some pizza. it's always it's always pizza that'll do you in that's (laughs) That's how like deprived we are of good food on these in these experiences oh my god you don't say that's all i hear people say when they yeah it's like it's like potatoes and something else is like always a consistency the thing about it is you have to consider that they hire a uh caterer and the caterer Mm -hmm. has to not only cook for the cast but cook for like the 200 crew members yeah so the quality of the food isn't really what you're used to. And then it's like redundant. It's like the same thing every single meal, the same thing every single day. And then they have to, because so many people are on special diets, you know, you've got the vegans, you got the vegetarians, you got the pescatarians, you got uh, people that are gluten-free, that it makes it more difficult to like just, you know, just cook quality food <laughs> That everyone can enjoy. Um, so, so yeah. Um, that's why when you see yeah. the pizza nights, why we make such a big deal about them is because literally we just want something that reminds us of home. 
and it never tastes that great. You know, it's like it's pizza, but it's never that good. <laughs> You'd probably be surprised that I haven't brought this up by now, and I'm not going to bring it up too much because you'll probably been asked this since you're blue in the face about the whole uh, Julia incident. But I'm more so specifically going to ask you. Not necessarily about the incident itself, but did you happen to watch, like, the documentary series, like, the part that they talked about that by any chance? Well, basically, like, they asked her um, about the situation, and she said if because you were too... Wait, she, she spoke about it in the documentary? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was on there. Now I have to go watch it. I mean, I watched yeah. the first episode, or, like, the first, yeah, the first episode, but I never mm -hmm. went back to watch more. Not that I didn't like it, but I just didn't find the time. yeah. Yeah, she said that um, because it was two women up there, that that's why the situation was taken more seriously. But had it been, like, two males, that we would have not been talking about it the same way. I want to know, like, kind of your thoughts on that. Well, I'm just confused. Like, sometimes I hear that she regrets it, and then sometimes I hear that she says shit like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, do you regret it, or do you? would you do it all over again? Like, knowing what you know now. So, it's kind of one of those things, like, because you got caught, you feel bad, but, you know what yeah, I mean? But but it was just dumb. Like, and I've heard of other challengers. Actually, Derek, I'll say it out loud. Derek, and one of his, I was listening to a podcast, and he was talking about the whole incident and saying that, like, there was, a, like, a net down below, that nothing bad would have had to happen to me. And I'm like, since when do you do challenges with circus nets? There's no freaking netting. It's concrete. <laughs> so was, whoever, was he even there? I don't think he was I, even there. I don't think he was there, but I think maybe someone told him that. Oh. You know, so he was uh, putting that out there. But that's right. not the case. Like, it's definitely not the case. There were no nets. And I do think that, you know, in the game, it's very easy to get like in the heat like of the competition and and only see do anything to win you know um so i can see how someone could be overcome in the moment to try to do anything to win and her team did put a lot of pressure on her to win mm -hmm. in fact i think that like well actually no she actually had to her job in that heat because we were the last her and I were the last heat and her job was to d disqualify me so her team did tell her like you either have to beat her by a lot or you have to disqualify her right um and the only way to disqualify me would be to make me fall off mm -hmm. in the middle like when they're doing that little fighting thing so basically let me explain how, how it all went down we started on two different balconies 19 stories above ground and then the the lines crisscrossed in the middle and then ended up in two other balconies on the opposite side of the of the hotel mm -hmm. when when the contestants would meet in the middle if they met there like around the same time then one contestant can try to push the other person off to get them disqualified and then you win your heat you mm -hmm. know and so, or you could just race it and get to the other side, and then it's based on time. So my team was so far ahead of the other team 
so the, the bad guys were so far ahead of the good guys that she needed to disqualify me in order for them to win. Mm. So it was like life or death for her. It well, was no no pun intended. Right, 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 right. So there was a lot of pressure behind it. But there was also a lot of time for her to stop because there were a lot of people on production, on her team, on my team that were in the, they were basically stationed in the balconies that where we would end up. Mm -hmm. Right. So my team, the balcony, because I'm crossing. So the balcony where I would end up, they were in that hotel room and in that balcony. And then her team was in that balcony in the hotel room. Dave Mira, I want to say, was maybe the host. host. He was maybe on her balcony or maybe he had his own balcony. I don't know. But I mean, everyone, including Dave Mira, including the camera people, the sound people, the producers, everyone was telling her to let go of me, to let go of my safety like harness. And she mm-hmm. just tugging at it. So at some point, it doesn't matter how how much you want to win and the pressure of winning or, you know, being in the middle of competition, all the adrenaline. At some point, you listen to the voices screaming at you. And she just didn't. And they literally had to just pull us away from each other. Do, do you still get, like, any type of anxiety or like emotions that fill you if you watch that clip back because i know it's traumatic at the time but like when you watch it back now or like see any short blips of it do do you feel any type of like chills over it still um sometimes i'm like damn that was scarier you know um but i think i think i'm more uh affected by the way if someone's watching it with me like what their, to see their, uh, yeah. their reaction to it like always gets me like a little you know like riled up but when i watch it i'm just like oh well I, maybe it's because i've seen it also so many times like that is the I've one i've been asked about seen. it a million times too yeah that is the one cl- clip that i've seen so much of me mm-hmm. um so i feel like i'm a little desensitized to it if that makes any sense uh yeah. i'm more like when i think back to that moment i'm more upset that like I, when I crossed her on like the ground, like when we were on the ground, like I didn't, I didn't confront her, you know, I'm more, I like, I live more in like that regret. Like why didn't, like, I was just so angry and so heated that I was just like, I want, I don't want to see this person, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I'm pretty sure like, I'm definitely like not holding on to any like, anxiety or PTSD or anything like that from that event. Mm -hmm. Um, I do more or less like, just like when I hear what she says about it, like, I'm just kind of like, well, whatever, you know? Yeah. It'd probably be something I too would like brush off, but it would slightly irritate me. I feel if I like, this is all just hypothetical. Like this isn't me saying she did or didn't say anything. I'm just saying like, if I were to hear her, like try to defend it, I would kind of feel some type of, you know, slight irritation but yeah i mean it's just like don't defend it just be like yeah i fucked up Mm -hmm. you know like i was i mean i literally just gave her what she should say (laughs) (laughs) pressure on me (laughs) giving her all the excuses you know like i understand why someone would have done maybe what she did but at the same time like i think she took it too far Mm -hmm. so 
many people know that you did take a big gap in between your last original stint before coming back to Dirty 30, but what people don't know is actually during that time period, you dabbled in producing for the Jersey Shore. Yeah, that was actually around the time of the ruins, I want to say. Mm-hmm. After the ruins. Right. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you had intentions on doing, or did they potentially ask you, like, oh, we think you might be good at this. Would you no. like to give it a try? No, because I worked on other shows. I was dabbling in, like, is this what I want to do? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it obviously is something that I was very familiar with, like, like being on a production on a reality production it was still kind of new um you know there's a lot of that in LA where I was living at the time and it just be it just felt like the appropriate next step Mm -hmm. um for me that would also give me a little bit of freedom to do other things because it's all freelance work right um but I very quickly, like, realized that, no, it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, were you, how, how um, close in the line of fire were you with, um, you know, because sometimes producers will have to step in and, like, either mic somebody up or, well, that's more of, like, a floor manager. See, I know my terms here. Um, <laughs> like, how close into the line of fire were you, like, in terms of um, being, yeah, with the cast, like, being hands-on with, like, what was happening? Oh, very. First of all, I was the producer that picked up. Um, Snooki from her house. I drove with her from her house in Poughkeepsie or whatever. whatever that's wild. Yeah, it's, that's actually crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, I drove from her house to the shore. Um, I met her family. Her family had to like promise, like make me promise them that she was in good hands. Um, we went out to like the bar that night and it was hilarious. Did she know um, you too? She knew me. Yeah, okay. she knew me. Yeah, in fact, I mean, we'll get into that in a second. But like, uh, and we slept together in a hotel room. I mm-hmm. had to take her phone, um, which I wasn't very good at. You know, I'm like, no, I don't want to take their phone away. Um, but yeah, I was, I was basically like her handler, like babysitting her for until like that she moved oh. into the house. Um, I was there, literally like in the car that almost broke down on the side of the road a couple times because her car was like having car trouble on the way. So to you're the driving her car, okay? Yeah, I think she, yeah we were driving her car. Like she actually okay. drove her car out to the mm-hmm. to the shore. Um, if you remember correctly, the show, the first night in the in the house was like a big like you know real world night mm-hmm. where like went in the jacuzzi and. At the time, like, I think Snooki, like, she understood, like, the assignment, right? Right. She understood that she was on a reality show and she just, you know, was going to act crazy. Well, she is crazy, you know, like, in in good ways, but she was very entertaining. Um, I'm not not saying it in a bad way, but she is, you know, who she is, especially at that time. And she knew that she was there for entertainment purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, And she leaned into it 100%. But I think very naturally, you know, it wasn't like she was trying, not like she was producing herself or anything like that. Um, and she, I want to say, like, got, like, topless or something in the jacuzzi that night. Do you remember what I'm saying? Yeah. Next day, she had all this guilt and shame about it. And the other girls were, like, ostracizing her. And she wanted to go home. hmm And 
I mean, we're in the control room watching all this happen, like, as it's going down, you know, stepping in and out of the house. And Sally Ann, like, the, like the, the, the owner yeah. of 495, was like, what do we do? Do I let her go? And I turned to her, and I'm like, absolutely fucking not. Like, you don't let her go. You do not let her walk out of the house. Do you want the, do you want everyone to act like the other girls, or do you want the other girls to eventually act like Snooki? Because right now it's like these girls that are like really trying to edit themselves and be all proper because, you know, their families are going to be watching this. And then you have Snooki that doesn't care. I'm like, so who do you want to win here? Like, do you want people to be editing themselves or do you want people to just not care? Because you have, if you let her go, then this is what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And we made it like it was it was one of those moments where I was just like oh my god this is so amazing like this is like how producers can control control what happens on a show without like and this is when we become puppets like the cast becomes puppets it was so amazing that within like 30 minutes Snooki was not going anywhere she was allowed to call her parents I called her parents ahead of time and told her she was just having a really hard, you know, she had a bad night, but everything was going to be okay. And, you know, like staying in the house was going to be the best decision for her. Um, and so when she called her parents, her parents were convincing her to stay rather than saying, come home. Mm-hmm. And then um, we got um, Wow, who, oh no, no, it wasn't Wow. It was Sammy's sweetheart, who at the time was like, I'm, you know, the sweetest bitch you'll ever meet, to become sweet and like a big sister to her and convince her that it's okay that they all make mistakes and like that would be like it would be something that they would all overcome and like they love her and whatever, whatever, whatever it was she said. But literally, like we put all these thoughts into every single person's head. And the one amazing thing about Jersey Shore that the real world or the challenges don't do or yeah is that there is an interview room in the house and cast the cast could be literally taken out of scene and put into the interview chair at any given moment like an official interview and like the interviews are when like the producers ask the questions and like start putting things in your head so that you literally walk out of the room you're like oh like, does that person not like me? Or maybe I should do this, you know? And it was it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, well, I've been played for such a long time as a cast member. And it's just so exciting to be able to witness, like, be a part of how, like, quickly you can change the story. Mm-hmm. You know? And you probably remember, obviously, because you had to have been there. But it was actually, I think... Probably in like real time, it probably would have been like a week and a half, two weeks after that first night. But it was the third episode in like chronological order where she got hit in the face by the guy. And that's what brought the entire house together. I don't remember all those details. Oh, wow. I I don't remember all those little details. I I, I, like, you know, forget them. Yeah. I do remember like there was a there were lots of times where Vinny wanted to quit the show. Mm, Yeah. And I spent many nights, like, sitting outside of the house, watching, like, the sunrise, you know, 
like not like watching it come up, but like it's definitely getting light outside, like letting him know that like everything's okay and that mm -hmm. he should stick it out and it was going to be the best thing for them. But it ended up being the best thing for them. You know, if that is not always the case. Like a lot of producers will tell you it's the best thing for them. Like I used to cast for Millionaire Matchmaker and try to convince people that being on that show was going to be the best thing for them. Like, no, that's not the best thing for you. And I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> you're, you're trained then in telling people, uh, you know, um, what the sales job casting is a sales job. Yeah. Uh, so, um, anyways, yeah, it ended up being, and like, I remember after their season wrapped, it was such a hit, like it, and a lot of it had to do like with them being like such characters and, you know, but also, like, the editing was amazing. Like, they edited that so good. Mm. And um, and I remember, like, like reaching out to Snooki, and I'm like, you guys all band together for more pay. You guys all band together. Like, like do what Friends did, you know? Yeah. They want you for a season two. All of you guys, like, stick together and all demand equal pay and a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I live, like, probably about an hour from where the filming was. So, like, I could attest, like, people, there were lines of people, like, just looking to take photos in front of the house at the time period of, like, when this is. And I'm pretty sure they charge, like, five grand a night to stay, like, in that house, like, if you so, wanted to. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. I, I want to ask, though, because, you know, you took the time off and then you came back for um, Dirty 30. What uh, went into that decision to come back? So I found myself, I don't know how many people know this, but my brother passed away. Right. And when my brother passed away, it was a sudden, you know, death. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like he was, you know, sick. Well, I mean, he was sick, but he, he died of an accidental drug overdose. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was working at a company in San Francisco at the time. And I was only able to take like 30, like a leave of absence for like 30 days. And that was like really stretching it to the limit for like me to be able to like go home and spend an adequate amount of time at home and, you know, deal with everything. <clears throat> and then when I went back to work, we were in the middle of like a, a sale, like our company was getting sold. And so I had to stay at work in order to get my money mm -hmm. until the end of the sale. I had to see it through. And there was, like, even after it was sold, I had to stay there for, like, 90 days or something, mm -hmm. what the contract said. Um, and then um, I took, I officially left my company, like, at the end, at the beginning of January of that year. And that's why I was available to go on um, Champs versus Pros. Mm -hmm. And once I... and. And I only like, it's fun. Okay. So Shane called me and was like, Veronica, answer their emails, answer their texts, answer their calls. Like they're trying to get your attention. And I think that you're going to like what they have, what, what they're thinking about for you. So that's when I, you know, started talking to them. And then they said, it was chance versus pros. And that sounded, that sounded like something that I could do or, or would interest me because you know, we weren't living in a house. We were treated like adults, supposedly. Um, we had our cell phones. Um, we, you know, the, we would shoot for like two to three weeks max, and that was it. Um, and it was for charity. So I was like, yeah. okay, what's well, behind this? I can get behind this. And then, um, obviously, you, as you know, how the story goes, I didn't last for very long there. Um, 
And during, like, I want to say right after the elimination, we were, we all broke for lunch, for a catered lunch. And Jonathan Murray was there. And he was like, well, Veronica, we really want you for Dirty 30. Like, this is what we really want you for. Like, would you be open to it? And I was like, oh, I would consider it, you know, but, like, not really. Just kind of saying that to him. Mm-hmm. But it just, to be honest with you, it was kind of like, it was it was the right time for me. Like, when I... What I said earlier was, you know, like, I felt lower moments. Like, I was extremely depressed over, like, the loss of my brother. And I was in a funk, you know. And I was still in a place where, like, I was um, very much still, like, out of nowhere crying. You know, like, mourning him. Like, driving my car, waking up in the morning, hearing a song. Like, I was very much in that very fragile state. And, um, when you're going through something like that, you you don't, you just don't feel like yourself. So when I went, when I did decide to go on Dirty 30 and to be honest, like looking like after that season, just being there for and being Veronica and like someone that so many people had never met before and kind of like finding like the pep in my step again, like it was the best therapy I could have done for myself to help me kind of like really, you know, come to the other side, get Mm -hmm. to the other side of the, of whatever I was feeling, you know? Um, And I left that season feeling more like Veronica, like more like myself than I had, that I did when I entered it. Mm -hmm. And, but I was still in that house. I was still waking up like sobbing in tears because of my brother. Like during Dirty 30, you mean? Dirty 30, yeah. And, like, got, like I remember, like, the guys would talk about stories about themselves, and it would remind me of my brother, and all of a sudden I would just start crying, and I would have to walk out of the room, you know? And so I'm sure a lot of people were like, what the hell is her problem? <coughs> but I, <coughs> it's not like I didn't talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting, because I think that, like, a lot of people could also know that, like, with, with the challenges, for instance, it used to be all about the game, you know, like really yeah. all about the game. They didn't really care about like the personal stories that like the real real world or road rules would bring in. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, quarantine, like COVID hit and quarantine happened and, you know, all the BLM protests. And then all of a sudden the next challenge that you go on or that they film, you start seeing these like conversations. Mm-hmm. Do you notice the change in editing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's taken like a direction to talk about some like real life issues now. Right. It was very intentional mm-hmm. and um, it was just interesting that, that that same energy wasn't there during Dirty, Dirty 30 Dirty. because there was a lot of conversations happening that could have really like, you know, that were important, you know? Yeah. And that was still during a time in which um, it was exclusively real world. So you almost feel like they could have. Starting to bring in people from other shows. That was you know? the last. That was the last exclusive MTV season. Right, exclusive MTV for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I feel like it was a really missed. It was a huge missed opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. because I had not been on the show in so long, and I came back and I was like going through this like severe depression mm-hmm. over losing my brother, but I also like lost my daughter, and I don't know. Yeah. So it was, no. like, two things that hit me really hard in, like, the three years prior to Dirty 30. Mm-hmm. 
So anyways, like one of those things where I went thinking, I went because I had not, I had not had time off from work and I had like, I basically, you know, left, I basically had left my company, you know, at the end of the sale and I needed time off just to like heal. Mm -hmm. And I decided to say yes to this experience and it, you know, worked in my favor. Like it definitely healed, like definitely pushed me over to, over to the other side of my healing. You know? Well, I'm glad that you were able to uh, turn that into a positive. And I know you're running out of time, so I got to ask you a quick rapid fire. Okay. If you are naming a female challenge Mount Rushmore, it doesn't even have to be based on like, you know, stats and competition and none of that, just in terms of who you feel Four ladies, you can include yourself, mean the most to the franchise. You, you can't tell the story of the challenge without them. Okay. Can't tell the story of the challenge without them. Well, me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, gosh. And I should be saying this a lot faster, right? It's rapid fire. I have to think so hard. Well, it, it, you can take as long as you want, but I'm... You know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Kara what she deserves. Definitely Kara. Yeah, I agree. Um... Um, da, 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 um, I would say who would be like, there's a lot of, there's a part of the challenge that I didn't watch afterwards. Like when I want to hear mine, but would it be like maybe Sarah or Susie? Yeah, I could see, I could see Sarah. Yeah. Sarah. Cause I mean, she was, um, and then I would say someone that's newer, um, um, you know, if we're doing it from beginning to the end, I would say it would have to be Tori. Oh, okay. Mm. You so, know, where do you, you want to hear mine? Won't agree with me on yeah. those names, but like you got to from beginning to end. Like, who were the people that were part of these like five years, five years, and five year blocks? Okay, what are yours? I say Coral, you, Laurel, and Kara. Yeah. See, Laurel, I didn't really watch her seasons. Um, um, but I think that, and I think, I mean, I think Coral, I mean, she just wasn't really like, she was on the seasons, but like not, not for many. Right. So she I was think, in it for a season. Not really like a reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I mean, makes sense. Well, no, I know. Yeah. For a very short amount of time. I mean, she's, for me, she's more of a, of a real worlder, you know, yeah. not a ranger. Mm. Um, and I think that I would probably take that in like our generation, mm -hmm. you know? Um, that's why I kind of like scattered it through. Right, I feel you. Mm -hmm. um, well, but yeah. yeah, I definitely gotta, you know, give Kara the recognition that she deserves because she definitely is one of the, one of the, the best female challengers of her time, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. The okay. best female challenger of her time. And, and mm -hmm. then I was the best female challenger of my time. To me, I, and I'm not just giving you lip <laughs> service here. You are the female face of the franchise. Just my personal opinion. Well, I thank you for that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, of course, to come and uh, chat with me. This was obviously a very special episode, as I stated. And um, this was fun. And hopefully we'll see what the future holds for you. But I thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. And maybe we can do it again sometime. Maybe. Who knows? Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.